This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. Welcome to episode 100 and the start of the 2024 season. Uh, this is Matthew Bunch speaking, and honored to be joined tonight with uh, two co-hosts. Uh, first off, uh, Franco. Uh, Franco Caliz, how you doing, buddy? Hanging in there in our nation's capital at the moment, so it's cold up here for for the moment. Yeah, Franco is uh, doing some advanced scouting of uh, DC United. Uh, yeah, dipping our, in. our most dangerous <laughs> opponent this year will be DC United. Dipping into the travel budget. It's totally not related to like other work. And then, uh, of course, Omar Mubayed. Omar, how you doing, buddy? This is episode 100, and the energy in this Zoom room is not up to snuff. This is episode 100. We've been doing this for eight years now. It's Boy, episode he's... 100. Come on, get into this. Let's go. He's yelling at us, guys. It's, this is not a good start or a great start, depending on your perspective. Yeah, the hotel but... is going to call uh, <laughs> to check. Come yeah, in right? check the, to, that I'm all right. No, it is Safety episode check. 100, damn it. Um, and we want to thank all of you for uh, having listened to all 100 episodes. You're the best. From, from minute one to uh, the last minute of this episode. To the uh, last episode that we lost in the SoundCloud recording room years and years ago. No, yeah, but it's just, it's funny because this, this is a great mix. Obviously, we don't have Lee and Drew with us tonight. Um, Abel is missing for all intents and purposes. Somebody throw <laughs> his ass on a milk carton, right? But, <laughs> but at the same time, right? So, Drew, I mean, Matt, you and I have been doing this. Oof, uh, for since 2016 and Franco's jumped in recently over the last couple of years. Um, so it's nice to have a hybrid little mix here of, of new and old. Obviously we would have loved to have had everybody, uh, Joel, you know, Abel, Lee, Drew, and just made this an octopod if we could. But other than no, that, we would not have liked to have had Abel because Abel lives less than a mile away from where I am and couldn't make it tonight. So no, shame not, on you, no, Abel. Abel. no Abel, sir. Shame <laughs> on you, Abel. We could we couldn't have a a, a, a non majority of Miami residents uh, on the podcast, so uh, two two in DC would have been too much. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a long strange trip. Glad we got to triple digits. Uh, took us a little while uh, to hit that last mark, but uh, we're I, I'm I'm really excited for this upcoming season down here in South Florida and all that the teams have to encounter. And Lord knows it cannot just be easy. Uh, we have some controversy to talk about, but re regarding our beloved Open Cup, uh, and I have some hot takes about that, which we'll get to later. But the headline story is Major League Soccer. The headline story is Inter-Miami opening the season for the league last night. A home match, a home opener, the first season opener for Lionel Messi uh, as an Inter-Miami player. The first uh, regular season match uh, for uh, Luis Suarez uh, joining the Uruguayan, joining the club. And it's a 2-0 victory, and I feel like there's a lot to talk about, considering that in most cases, a 2-0 victory would just be something you stroll out of the, the Chase Stadium, the, the former Drive Pink, the former Lockhart. Uh, you just stroll out with a smiling face. There's, I think there's still a lot to gnaw on on this one. So, uh, gentlemen, I'll throw it to you. Um, and Omar, let's go to you first, um, kind of reflecting on that game last night. What are your takeaways, and what are you looking forward to as we kind of get into the teeth of the schedule? 
I think you have to love the attacking fortitude that Inter Miami is going to present with this year. And I think it's going to be very interesting because there's still a lot of names that are being rumored with Inter Miami. Um, you know, obviously everybody's talking about Modric in the summer, you know, heaven forbid if Neymar's name starts getting passed around a little bit more, not that I think that they can afford it, not that I think he wants to leave his, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of deals in Saudi Arabia. But it is one of those things that I really think that we saw it last night. And I think we also saw the hindrance of what last night can be, right? Which is the lack of uh, stamina. Maybe it's just because it's week one. Um, but at the same time, their ability to s- just attack and swarm the opposing 18-yard box is going to be insane. And of course, when you have Messi doing messy things, it just makes for just must-watch TV. This is, th- you know what this is? This is the equivalent of, Mark McGuire chasing home run records, right? And Barry Bond, every at bat, every possession that Inter Miami is in the attacking third is going to become must watch TV this year. Unless some of these guys go down or they get hurt, knock on wood, it doesn't happen. Franco, what are your takeaways? Uh, as the only person on this pod who actually attended the game last night. Yeah, that's right. We got kids, bro. You don't. I don't know what to tell you, man. You get out of here. Get out of here with that. Seven year old brother. So what I'll what I'll say is um, the stamina thing worries me. It's fucking game one, right? And like, how do you come out so flat the second half when you you were already a little bit behind the eight ball and you and then you're just completely flat minutes like sixty through eighty. We had nothing going, y'all. We could not take the ball off of them. Um, I do think Federico Redondo, uh, the newest signing for Inter Miami, who's Rumored to be playing on Sunday against the LA Galaxy will be a huge boon for us on that front. Um, very concerned about the fact that Busquets pulled up towards the end of the game and asked for a sub. Um, you know, that preseason, I think, just, I get it. You got to make a buck off of this. Like, you're, you know, whatever, the commercial realities of this club. Um, but it is really concerning to me that it's game one and some of these folks are already gassed. I got to say, Luis Suarez was limping around the field for about 20 to 30 minutes, you know, towards the the tail end of the game. Um, And there's no ability to counterattack. Part of the reason why we really saw Rouse Salt Lake um, all over us towards the tail end of that game was there was no counterattacking threat. There's no Kremaski at the moment. Um, You know, Robbie Taylor started the game, so he was already wearing out by the end of it. It's really concerning to me how high aligned other teams are going to be able to play. And, you know, every once in a while, Leo Messi is going to do the Leo Messi thing and set up that second goal like he did last night. That's where I'm concerned at, honestly. Um, the defense, we knew what we were getting into when you have Alba Yedlin and Kristoff, two of them who are pretty adventurous going forward, and then one who, who you know, struggles for pace um, at the back. But if the if the midfield can't hold up and if you've got no counterattacking strength, that's where I, I'm really concerned, honestly. And, and I, I I kept asking for Campana over and over again last night, and I feel like that's going to be the, the theme of this year is where is Campana and how much can he provide for us? But So that's going to actually be a good follow-up question, I think, because Campana doesn't come on until minute 90 when they ceremoniously take off Luis Suarez, let's say. Um, but obviously, Robbie Robinson is not going to be ready for a few months to come back coming off his knee injury. Um, you know, is there going to be somebody on that right wing 
or if you play Robbie Robinson on the right wing, let's say, who is going to allow for the additional flanks to come on the end? Because as you said, once the legs get tired, who do you go to? I'm going to say it's a steep drop from Luis Suarez to Robbie Robinson, right? And again, even a 37, 38-year-old Luis Suarez is going to have just an extra level of finishing that Robbie Robinson's not going to have. However, it's going to be very key of can Messi then patrol the middle of the area as he has Taylor and Robinson on the outside, either providing some kind of service in, but then you run into another situation, which is the height disparity, right? And, and MLS defensive uh, MLS backlines are getting bigger and bigger and stronger every year. So it is going to be interesting to see how they, how that kind of meshes that together. Cause there is a hole in the roster and, and, Again, that's before we even start talking about Miami's backline to begin with. Yeah, I would say that Franco, you, you you nailed it right on the head. I thought when you coming out of the set, the the first half was a good forty five minutes for Miami. Um, I thought where it's pretty solid. You had an idea what they were trying to do, and they were they were getting it done, creating um, attacking movements that that developed either into real attack or um, you know, Messi gets fouled, someone gets fouled and, and the free kick, the man will be able to hit a free kick until he's 80. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that'll be a problem, but there was a run of play. I think maybe like the mid fifties, like in the 55th minute or something like that, where I I'm sitting there. I'm like, it's, it's been two minutes and inner's not had the ball. It's been two and a half minutes and they've not really had the ball. You know, they've headed it out or they booted it. And then, but it's just these long stretches of possession where they almost, um, it's almost like a like a rope a dope, and that's really what it felt like when when they got that second goal. That they were almost like they were trying to like we're just gonna like absorb pressure, absorb pressure, and counter. And that's not what you're hoping for with the level of talent that you have is to basically be running the rope a dope. Um, I think the the preseason uh, from hell um, that they had uh, it blew up in their faces a bit in terms of the the commercial realities of it um in in terms of how it may have attracted or not attracted fans and i think it has had a really deleterious effect on health um and, and it's not necessarily you know hope to god you know we're not talking about acls popping things like that but just fitness levels and you could see it you well, know Matt, we are we are talking about acls right isn't that what happened to facundo farias right like some of the depth in this in, in this team True. did did have a, a real hit there. Then they had to sell Kamal Miller, who for my money was probably our best defender last year. He was, yep. You know, just to be able to get to the to to where you needed to get to under financial regulations. Um, and I think the big the big factor here is how is Julian Russell going to fit into his team? Look, I get that preseason is different than regular season, but from what I saw last night. He's not on the same wavelength as some of those as those other guys, right? And so you need you need him to step up because if he can help control that midfield, that takes a hell of a lot of pressure off. But he fluffed his lines over and over again, both during the preseason and last night as well. You so you didn't think I you see, here's an interesting portion and where I disagree with you a little bit. I think statistically speaking, you look at Julian's Gressel's game and you think, oh, that's not a great performance. But when you kind of take the stats out of it and you take a step back, I thought him and Gomez were very impactful because they took a lot of pressure off Busquets. And they made a comment about that in last night's call 
uh, that Busquets doesn't want to chase the game. He, he's too old. He doesn't want to chase the game anymore, right? So you have Gresso and Gomez doing the chasing and allowing Busquets to act as, dare I say, an Andrea Pirlo, right, back in New York City FC when he was in MLS, just distributing and finding the creases necessary to get the ball into the dynamic strikers and the forwards that are up and down of this roster. Gresso wow. didn't pass my eye test, for whatever it's worth. Like, he just... it it. His passing doesn't seem as sharp, which is concerning. And I hear you on he's chasing after everything, but like, how is that different than you you throwing out a Gene Mota, for example, right? Like, you you went out after him because you wanted a real upgrade, and I I honestly think Mota would have been just as good, you know. And and you lost a lot of bite in that midfield when Gregory had to be sold as well, just like Kamal Miller for for some of the um I actually think that that will be an underrated um loss for us this season. Look, there's a lot of positives from last night. But I just the bookies are saying th- that Inter Miami is going to be the, the champion. That's the betting favorite. Well, I'm how much saying. of that is the problem is though how much of that is people who are not aware of MLS placing bets on Inter Miami because they have yeah, sure. Messi on the right. roster and how much of that is Vegas actually putting out a, a plus 300 line where the sharps are looking at it saying hang on a second yeah we like that no sure i i absolutely think that's right but i think in general that's that's something i've heard and i just you need you're going to need some of the 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 other players to step up look gomez played his best game probably in inter miami shirt yesterday and the reality is we're not going to have him for a lot of the season because you've got the Olympics coming up. You've got the Copa America coming up, right? So, like, where, who's going to step up? And you need folks like Julian Gressel to do it. I'm just concerned from what I've seen so far. Matt, I know you were going to jump in. Sorry. Oh, no. All I was going to say is I, I think the 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 idea of finding the wavelength, the phrase that you used earlier, is so important considering what the team has lost and and those players that they had where they they did appear to have a bit of rhythm almost almost immediately where Messi was dropped in and it was like a you know a a live wire um with the club that existed last year a couple of key pieces are no longer there and as you alluded to Franco you're going to be losing some of these players mid-season and something else that we really haven't alluded to that I think is kind of the the other part of this is this is going to be an even more crowded list of fixtures that this club has than they've ever had before. Um, It's going to be really tough right away Uh, when you're talking about CONCACAF Champions League and then eventually you get to the League's Cup. It's just a hell of a lot of games. And I think last night you saw night one, you know, the, the Barcelona boys all together. I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing like a like a a, a team one and a team two, um, you know, to try to spread out the talent a bit and 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 keep legs fresh, um, because you have it. You have a lot of talent in in those those two forward players. You have a player in Busquets. You, you mentioned Pirlo. I think that's the natural position for him to wind up being in because we saw him last year having to do the forward and the backward move, and he did it well, but. He more more than anyone else on the team. He he is a player. I think that th- those those years have have grinded him down a bit, and he is a master distributor. Again, another guy that he can do that forever. And we I think we talked about this last year. The reason why the Pirlo experiment faltered in New York is who is he passing to? Um, you know the the passes are fine, but where is it going? We know where it's going here 
he just needs to do that well. And then as I think Omar, as you alluded to have someone behind him cleaning up the mess. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tough. It, it It is, it's going to be tricky for this team, but they do have the pieces to make it work and they do have a quality manager. But I don't want to hear about fixture clog. That's the one thing this year that like can't be an excuse of fixture clog. Why? Because everybody poo-poos on MLS all the time out it or North American soccer and turns around and says, Oh, well, there's really no extensive tournament list. Guess what? You've got for the first time in South Florida now, every major tournament's coming through uh Chase Stadium, right? You're gonna have CONCACAF Champions Cup. You've got you've got your essentially your you know your continental competition boom you're gonna have open cup you're gonna have leagues cup right you're gonna have all of these things coming into play you're gonna have the olympics which we don't know if mls is taking a break for i don't believe that they are right we have copa america which mls has turned around and already said we're not taking a break for copa america so it is what it is so guess what it is going to be time for maybe some of the younger guys to step up and but that's not going to be that's not good enough for it to be an excuse. Why? Because every European counterpart deals with the same shit year yeah, in and year hold out. Hold on, hold on. But they've got resources that are totally different, an academy setup that's totally different. They've got no cap on who they can bring in, unlike MLS. So if we hadn't sold Gregory for cap reasons, if we hadn't sold Kamal Miller for but nobody for cap- no, hang on, nobody told Moss and Company to go buy. You know, thirty-seven-year-old strikers on massive deals. Sure, but but I don't think. Look, I I am not. <laughs> Matt and I have had a a uh, a good set of chats around this. Um, I'm a Manchester United fan. Luis Suarez is about as far from a, a player that I want to see on one of my teams as possible, right? And let me also say, I don't think Suarez is necessarily the problem. Sure, let's let's pretend we have another striker in there for a moment. That still doesn't resolve a lot of the midfield issues that you have. That still doesn't resolve the, the defense. And unlike the Mexican teams and unlike your European teams, which I think it's an absurd comparison to make, you can't just buy more replacements. You have to go homegrown on it. So and that's think- fine. And I don't and I'm not disagreeing with you, but the issue as well is, is that we can't start saying, oh, well, let's start putting up excuses of fixture clog and the fact that there's no roster. Everybody knew going into the season that there's going to be a salary cap that they're going to have to meet. Everybody knew that. That's without without a discussion. There's a reason why MLS has their own developmental system and MLS Next Pro, right? So my only concern here is if you knew and if your ambitions are to win titles. And to win trophies, you need to construct your roster that allows you the flexibility and not splash for big and and for big names that are shiny. I, 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 but again, am I looking at this incorrectly? I want to be clear in, in pointing out the 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 clog, the fixture clog. I'm not saying poor boohoo, what was me into Miami. I'm just pointing out that it's there. And if you're already seeing some fatigue game one, um, What's it going to look like in a month? What's it going to look like when the heat kicks in in South Florida? What's it going to look like? You know, the stuff that we asked about last year that didn't affect them until it did. And you started, you saw Messi pick up an injury in a national duty and it kind of screwed up the playoff run. Um, now you're, if, if you, you would hope to see game one, you know, freshness and 90 minutes worth of player, at least a good, you know, 75 um, from your key players. And, and there is some question about that now. Is that because the preseason that they had was 
a mess uh, and there were so many other responsibilities in there. I think you could argue that. And once they actually start playing and just focusing on games, might it become a little bit easier for them? I think so. But my, my, my point isn't like, oh, no, this is terrible. Like, poor things. No, it's like, well, this this is the, you know, to to borrow the Donald Rumsfeld quote, you go to war with the army you have, not the army you want. Uh, this, this is a hell of an army. I will take it. But there are just with any team, there are always going to be concerns, you know, unless you're, you know, Man City or something like that. Every team has some weakness. And the weakness of this team is that everyone is going into the season like, Ooh, or is everything going to hold together? And will those legs of these star players who have so much skill and so much talent, will the fitness be there? And game one doesn't instill you with confidence, even though it's a two no win. The skill is there. We the, That win is based on skill not fitness they did not grind that out in terms of like they man they're just the they wanted it more it was that these moments of magic they're able to convert on will that continue to hold on in a month and two months and three and four months and it's also not we didn't even see them play a top tier mls team you know what i mean oh like, yeah you're right yeah. Real that's the, the the part that scares me is yeah they're a playoff team but they're not like they're not the team you think is going to come out of the western conference you know what i mean like and so it, it that that's a little scary to me on that front. I do think this is where, the, and I know you guys want to talk about this a little bit more later on, but like prioritize the U.S. Open Cup. This is where you deprioritize the League Cup. You know, I've already already did that. So let's let's focus in on the, for me on the on the Concacaf Cup, right? Like let's figure let's let's figure out uh, the the league, and let's go from there. But I think you have to triage a little bit. Like play the kids, man. Play the kids. Franco, I agree wholeheartedly, and to me, uh, not to borrow a little bit from, uh, you know, uh, one of our favorites, Omar, but the Dan Levitard show had a bit of this conversation with, with Mike Ryan the other day. It's hard to explain this to folks, but there needs to be a prioritization of what you're going after as a team. And ultimately, for this team this year, I know they are the defending League's Cup winner. Great. That silverware is very important in this club's history. But at this point, to me, number one is CONCACAF Champions League. Number two is CONCACAF Champions League. Number three is CONCACAF Champions League. Yep. Number four is MLS Cup. Yep. And, yep. and and everything else, you're, you know, you 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 make you show face so that Apple's happy with the League's Cup. But, you know, um, you, you, that's not anywhere near your number one priority. And we don't even know if Inter Miami is going to wind up appearing in the Open Cup. All right, we're doing that. We're going to do the jump off then, right? Are we? Are we jumping off? Because I, I think here's the thing. I think and it's I, fair, and then we'll, we'll circle back to Inter Miami looking ahead. Right. So we, we, go ahead. And, and this, this is where the lack of show prep gets, you know, screwy with regards to straight jumping into a show. The problem is not a, okay. You want to devalue the Open Cup for your own personal roster decisions? That's fine. Every club in the history who's ever played within the U.S. Open Cup has had to make the choice whether or not they want to take it seriously. And for years and years and years, with through Miami FC runs, we've seen MLS clubs not take it seriously and then have a lower division opponent feast on them. We saw it, right? We all lived it in 2017. However, not participating in the Open Cup and not taking it seriously are two things. One, you can excuse the other one is a sin, and a sin that should not be washed away with any kind of holy water, in my opinion. In, in honestly, in my opinion, right? Not participating in the nation's oldest domestic soccer tournament is beyond blasphemy. And for MLS to sit here with a straight face and say, "Oh, we don't want to do it," and we all know why they don't want to do it, it's because they don't want to share the messy pie with all the other TV contract deals. 
who are out there who have contracts with the U.S. Open Cup, right? It's ridiculous. If you really want to stick it to them, say, okay, fine. Hey, make Garber pick up the phone, make a call to Moss and say, don't play him. Just, just, just don't play him. Just don't play him. And that's it, right? If, if that's really what you wanted to do. But to sit there and to try to thwart the competition, a competition that we just got back after what, two years off from COVID? Come on, man. It's, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. It's beyond fucking ridiculous. And it should be a stain on the reputation of MLS moving forward at the end of the day. Because you cannot sit here and with a straight face tell me that we have a pyramid that works in this country when there is an open cup competition and only one part of that pyramid doesn't want to compete. And when they say why, they straight up lied to the public and said, oh, well, it's our players. And then the players union came out and said, no, nah, it's not our players. Our players want to compete. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. We don't know who that statement, how that statement got released. Get out of here, man. It's all, it's all ridiculous. And it's all a crock of shit. If you don't want to play in the U.S. Open Cup, that's great. Field your MLS Next Pro Team. Nobody's stopping you from doing that, right? But they're wearing your badge. They're wearing the first team badge, and they're wearing the first team kits. I, again, sorry, I actually have confusion around this. So, isn't that what USS the, the the US Soccer Federation said they couldn't do was feel the the MLS Pro teams only? That's what what the, what they can't do is turn around and say, "Oh, you." And I'm going to call them pseudo division three because I don't know where in the pyramid MLS Next Pro falls in currently. It's it's been a little while since I've done the deep digging in this, right? But what the, what you could do is for those people who have contracts right through the pyramid call up players you can place them on the first of it on the first team and then have them play as inner miami one what what ussf does not want is st louis city two uh chicago fire two inner miami two or or for lauderdale cf right whatever you want to call them now they don't want that being mls's representation got it got yeah. it understood uh, i'll i'll look my my question here is where the hell are some of the supporter groups? Because I there's a lot of them that have actually come out and said like this is a travesty. But ultimately, the the most loyal clients to this are the supporter groups from across the country, including Inter Miami's. And I haven't seen a whole lot of movement on that front. Inter Miami might be a little weird, just because let's be honest, at this point, probably most of those supporter groups are part of the cult of Messi, right? I'm not forgiving, but I but but I understand a little bit of where they're at. But every other team at this point should their supporter groups at least should should be putting out stuff saying, hey, you got like this is a mandatory thing for us, right? Like you can't devalue essentially our version of the FA Cup to this point, especially not for like the League's Cup that nobody's ever heard of. But you know what's messed up about it, Franco? What's messed up about it, Franco, is that every club or and I'm and maybe not supporters groups, right? But clubs from division three, division four. USL really hasn't wanted to put out a statement for whatever reason. Jake Edwards made a statement the other day saying, well, individual clubs will decide whether or not to compete. That's bullshit. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. It's bullshit. Like, you need to you need to compete in this. But I will update this afternoon, Omar. They said all teams are in. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. But again, it, it is one of those things where the supporters groups have been saying, players have been saying, no, this needs to this needs to exist. Why? Open Cup qualifying starts a year before the first actual round of the first Open Cup game gets kicked for the next year. That's how serious this tournament is. I'm sorry it's not the FA Cup. I'm sorry it's not Copa del Rey. 
right? I prefer, and for some reason, like we want to hold those in high esteem, but we don't want to hold this one, and that's fine. But could you imagine if this was done in any of those countries? Could you imagine the backlash? I mean, you would literally have heads rolling, I, I, without a doubt. Didn't didn't La Liga, uh, or is it La Liga or or whatever? Didn't the Spanish folks move their their cup final? to Saudi Arabia last year and didn't that draw a huge uproar but it still happened right like yes. okay but it happened but we're not we're moving a final let's say if for whatever reason US Open Cup final is going to be played in London at Wembley who gives a shit right that's different than a whole than one whole portion of the pyramid saying we're out and there there was a lot of a lot of heat around that move yeah. uh, even among but, players but the too. heat was driven by a lot of the supporter groups that's my yes. point like i will say omar um, Omar, Franco, um, as a point of defense for this group that you're talking about, these groups that you're talking about, um, I think something that's a big problem here is we still don't know what the plan is. Like, there's still not, like, you know, you you have reports this afternoon of Stu Holden resigning from the U.S. Open Cup board because he's like, I still don't know what the plan is. No one's told us. So, like, there's all this uncertainty. And so it's it's hard to mobilize when you don't really know what you're mobilizing against, there still hasn't been a, and there's been this, oh, we're going to send the uh, the next pros, and then we're not, and then we're going to be in, and then we're going to be out. And is that intentional? I'm sorry, but, but how does that stop a group from being able to say, hey, here's what we want to see? Well, I mean, if you, if, you know, if you know someone that's involved in community organization, you might want to reach out to those groups and, and, and have them talk to how to actually communicate, um, demands. That's fired. Pew, 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 pew. I mean, if only um, I was a member of a group, hashtag siege and have told them this, like, but, look, but, it's, I, but, he, but I don't, he, I don't disagree with you, but I still think there is, there is uncertainty and it's hard to to and and your point, what I which I know where your point would be, and you're right, is that by the time you get certainty, it will be too late, and that you should be responding now. I understand, but there is so much uncertainty around this, where you still have partners in this competition that should be gung ho about it, but not until today, finally coming out and saying, yeah, everyone's in. There, there is just so much uncertainty, and it benefits MLS. For there to be this uncertainty that no one else is oh, pushing absolutely. on. But th so this is this is like corporate and political organizing 101. You don't wait till the bill is written. You don't wait till the policy is decided, right? Yeah. You 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 state your demands up front, and that's yeah. that's where I think the the really loyal people, the day one crew from all of these different organizations, the same ones that were out there when Beckham announced the the, the team, right? Like. Those are the folks who you can't just be in front of the camera when it's convenient. You got to be out there and you got to really say like, hey, you're doing a great job bringing in amazing talent, like the best player of all time plays for our team. That is incredible. And we also want to make sure that the competitions are all respected. But you know right? what, like, though? It, it, but the, 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 the leader of that message isn't going to be an organ organization that was created four or five years ago. That's the problem. That that that's the problem with that where, where with that messaging. Where are MLS 1.0 clubs coming around and those supporter groups saying this needs to happen and this needs to start now? So and everybody so needs to be on. part of are it. Are you telling me that Don Garber? Because let's be honest about who's been the biggest piece of crap around this, right? It's been the MLS commissioner, Don Garber, right? Are you telling me that if his owners aren't getting heat and they're not put, put, putting pressure on him, that some of those stances don't change? 
I no, I agree with you. I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but that's what I'm telling. Where's MLS 1.0 clubs? Where are MLS 2.0 teams? Where are they? Where are those supporter groups pushing their front offices to say, "Hey, guys, this isn't okay. That this is a problem. That this is an issue. This is again the most. This should be the most important tournament." in U.S. soccer domestically. Now, yeah. Aside from CONCACAF Champions Cup, because obviously you get your bid in to the FIFA Club World Cup, right? Or aside from that. But again, but where is it? And, and that's the frustrating part about all of this. Because you know what? And, and the, the problem is, is that there's so much instability within corporate soccer in the United States of America that USSF should have said on day one, oh, is that what you want? Here, how about you do this? You don't want to play in the tournament. Don't show up. You get a forfeit. You're out in whatever round you came in. We're moving the lower teams up another round. Have fun. But you're taking an L on the record, and it is what it is. And that's all they had to say. All they had to say was put their foot down. You don't want to show up. You don't want to compete. That's fine. You're still in there. You should be showing up. Guess what? Also, you're not hosting. Period. End of discussion. I I think something that needs to be acknowledged here is and I, I think that uh our friend in absentia lee Evans will appreciate this point being made is that don garber and major league soccer very clearly feel whether they are right or wrong they feel that now is the time to essentially more than they already have fully capture the u.s soccer federation that they sense that the federation is weak they sense the federation won't push back and that essentially as this World Cup 2026 is about two years out, even though one would think that should be one of the strongest points for the Federation, uh, that with Apple at their with with them, with Leo Messi, with this, that now is the time to essentially knock over all the chairs and and without formally doing, it, I guess, because that would create issues with FIFA, but try to make Major League Soccer even more than it already is, essentially the Super League for American soccer, that this is it. Um, and and of course, for, for decades, this has kind of been the way it's been because, oh, we're so weak and we need to be protected, yada, yada, yada. That's clearly not the dynamic anymore. The dynamic is we feel we are in our strongest position and we're going to try to push everything else away. And Omar, I'm I'm not the one to to get mad and, and, and blow hot, but I cannot agree with you more wholeheartedly. Don Garber should be ashamed that he's doing this major league soccer and its owner should be ashamed that they're engaging in this because this, th this cup competition predates all of them. It predates all of us. This is a, everyone who talks about soccer in this country laments that we don't have the tradition. We don't have the history of other soccer countries and we don't have the history compared to other sports of the major sports. This is the oldest trophy. Uh, besides the Stanley Cup, which originated in Canada. Of American sports, this is the old, major American sports, this is the oldest trophy. And for it to be disrespected like this uh, is, like you said, it, it is an abomination. And I was introduced to local soccer in South Florida through the Open Cup when I heard, oh, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers are playing FC Dallas? How's that happen? And then I, I didn't know there was no, this is more than a decade ago. This is like 2010 or whatever. And I learned about the Open Cup and it opened me up to second division, NASL at the time, all the Strom und Drang ever since involving NASL and its fight with MLS and everything. 
and and the fact that they they sense that they can just peace out on this is uh ashonda it's just it's it's a it's a I, I don't even I don't know if I, I don't have the words to to communicate how angry I am that he feels empowered to pursue this. And and you know what the worst part about this is, Matt? The worst the part worst about this part is, is that the Houston Dynamo won last year. That's the worst part. Jesus, let's not forget that. Well, that's the great what if. If Miami wins it last year, does MLS pull this? If Miami or if if Messi is the defending champ, probably I, not. I, probably, probably not. not. <laughs> but, but you know what the crazy part is about that? And, and let's say that this is the coup d'etat, right? To try to take in or try to kind of really get your fingers wrapped around the, the federation itself. For years, the argument has been whose job is it to develop the players on the U.S. men's national team? Is it the clubs or is it the federation? Well, you know what? Going back to the 2021, because again, when we look at the 2022 20, uh, uh, Gold Cup, again, we can all agree that may have been the U.S. men's national team's B or, or C roster, right? Okay, let, let, let's go. Let's go back to that 2021 uh, Concacaf uh, Nations Cup final against Mexico. Oh, st- starting lineup: Zach Steffen. Okay, I, I don't think he was playing in North America at the time. John Brooks playing in Germany. Tim Ream, Fulham. Right, DeAndre Yedlin at the time. I want to say he was overseas too. I don't think he was at Inter Miami yet. And please correct me if I'm wrong. This was 22. No, actually, he was at Inter Miami. I apologize. He had just come back from Turkey. Weston McKinney, not in the U, not in North America. Kellen Acosta, yep, that's fine. Serginio Dest, not in North America. Giovanni Reyna, not in North America. Josh Sargent, not in North America. Christian Pulisic, not in North America. Timothy Wea, not in North America. Ethan Horvat, not in North America. Sebastian Leggett, in MLS. Tyler Adams, not in North America. So again, the predominant impact players on the U.S. men's national team were not playing in MLS during the CONCACAF Nations League finals in 2021. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, MLS gets their hands gripped around the on the, around the federation. Is it going to be MLS's job now to develop the next wave of U.S. men's national team players? That seems to be what I'm hearing, but you got God knows Don Garber is going to say the answer to that is no, because he said it before that the answer is no. So what's the point? And again, it, it all comes back to it, it, and I just don't. Mm, I know that there's money behind it, and I know that's like the reason, but it's just so easy for somebody to have just said, pick up a phone call and say you're not doing it, cut it out, stop it. If you don't like it, there's going to be repercussions. End the discussion. Have a nice day. Click. And that's it. That's all that had to have been said. And this all would have been, it, it would have all been for nothing. We would have never heard a peep about it. But when you don't put your foot down, shit like that goes down. Yeah, it's really um, disheartening. And, and Omar, as you alluded to, it's a, it reflects a weakness within the Federation. And it's the reason why Don Garber is pursuing this. The fact that this wasn't so aggressively stamped out and the fact that the federation doesn't really feel comfortable coming out and and forcefully saying no this is this is nonsense um and and there's still this kind of like you know pussyfooting around it It, it's 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 a joke and and there's no reason to believe unfortunately that we're going to get a resolution to this when as you said earlier the the easiest solution is to allow the clubs to pull from 
uh, their lower division teams directly up and, and slap the Jersey on them. If they want to take it easy, every club in the world does that in the opening rounds of their cup tournaments. And sometimes it blows up in their face and them's the breaks and it's fine. Everyone, it happens to everyone. Everyone gets over it. It's not a big deal. People love it. Cup sets are awesome. And MLS doesn't want to deal with that. It's a joke. I don't, you know what I'm realizing? I don't even know why I went back to the CONCACAF 2021 Nations League and I didn't just go to the 2022 World Cup roster. I, I just, I'm, I'm literally like, I, as I'm saying it, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, do we want to go through that roster? We can go through that roster. Nobody from fucking MLS is on that roster who played Notable Impact. And if they did play in MLS, we were, la- we were fucking yelling at our TV screens thinking, bro, really? You're going to play Jesus Ferreira over Giovanni Reina? <laughs> and I really, we're really going to do this right now? Well, we all know how that turned out, that disaster. Anywho, so the Open Cup is in this state of limbo. As I alluded to, we do know that the USL will be competing in it, and that includes the Miami FC. And, you know, one of the great organ, one of the great central focuses of, of Magic City Soccer over the years has been the Miami FC in this Open Cup competition. Before Inter-Miami, with its Cup run of 2017, um, uh, taking down two MLS teams. Then you have the Miami United, Miami uh, uh, FC rivalry. And now you have Inter-Miami and Miami FC. That appears to be in some limbo. But Miami FC coming into this year, um, Omar, it's a bit of a uh, uh, transition period. And you don't we say. About, it was, we were talking You're about too nice. the show. I am. That's my, that's my character. I like to be the nice guy. Um, and I let you come in and wield the hammer. Um but we're going to find out very quickly kind of what the intentions are for this club this year. I can, I can I just say though, I look forward to David Rees lifting Lamar hunt trophy at the end of this year as captain for inter Miami. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be the <laughs> D team is going to win it, baby. Is... Immediately sell him the Europe immediately after. Um, you know what's you know what's sad, Matt, and and I don't think I've had. I I mean I can't say that I've done this in a long time. Is I can't name three players on Miami FC's roster for this upcoming year. I I know that there's guys who have stayed behind. I know Gabriel Cabral, the midfielder, who was came from USL League One the year before. Um, I think Ben Mines stayed behind, and I know that they signed Frank Lopez. You know the the the, the ex Cuban national who played in San Antonio for a little while. That's it. I I don't know who anybody else is. Um, and I think the first couple games in that season are going to be very telling as to what to expect the rest of the year. Um, again, we've heard rumblings about why this is, the roster is being constructed the way that it is. Um, I don't like it. I don't love it. I think it's beyond my control. But if you don't want to uh, really stake your portion of the community um, and really put a lock on it, you're going to lose it. And I think that's something we've seen happen the last couple of years. And I think it's going to be the same this year. I see that you were taking the serenity prayer approach to the 2024 season to uh, change the things you can, accept the things you can't, and be smart enough to know the difference. Um, that's about right. That's- that's one way to look at it. Um, I think that we we saw last year a club with a bit of stagnation. 
And there was a bit of a dead cat bounce with the change in uh, management uh, midseason. But you you still you were st- kind of stuck in this limbo. And it's quite clear that the club is is trying to just going new, tr- kind of wiping the slate clean and attempting to kind of start from scratch almost, as you alluded to, with so many new names, including a new manager. Um, and... Again, there's not much to say besides we're going to see very quickly whether it works or not. We're going to see very quickly what the results are going to look like. Uh, the USL is a tough league. You know, this is the the first league that Miami FC has been in where they've not had any sort of sustained success. You know, in NASL, there was the first year um, where Indio Vega was the player of the, of the match routinely and would give up three goals just because his defense was getting shredded. Um, and then after that, it was, it was, it was clear that they had found out what they wanted to do and it was working. And even when yeah. you transition from, um, uh, from, from manager to manager, it, it, there was still a connected thread and, and the thread runs bare at this point. And it's, it's time to pursue a, a different, you know, a different material, I guess. Um, and yeah, I know it's very, it's, it's very unsatisfying to be like, I don't know. Um, but I, I do like the idea that this team has generally done a pretty good job of finding players in unexpected places and turning them into something more than they've been. And so the hope is that that sort of talent identification and development remains. Yeah. Uh, and if that's the case, then you can see, you know, Miami FC very much punching above their weight. If not, who knows? I, I think they're going to be cellar dwellers in the East. I think I'd be very surprised if they were a mid-table team in the East. This is a team that has made the USL playoffs or has been on the cusp of making it in every season since, uh, with the exception of that weird COVID year uh, where they had the pod scheduling. Um, and I think what you're seeing is uh, a very starch, stark, my apologies, coming to reality from this organization. Let me explain why I think this is so. Beginning in August, and the USL season runs through October, and it begins in a couple weeks on March 9th, Miami will have three home games from August to October. They will have one home game in August, one home game in September, one home game in October. In those three months, they will have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine away games in the course of 12 weeks. Why? Because they play at an NCAA football stadium. Would we have had this kind of back-loaded, front-loaded, however you want to call it, schedule in the past? No. So I think it's a sign. I think when you read between the tea leaves, you you see a lot of things that a lot of people don't want to admit to seeing. But you know what? You buy a season plan, guess what? You're really going to be done with the year by July. So there's that. You're going to get a lot of football between... March and July. Uh, yeah, and especially with a team that has so many new faces, the idea that the that you have so many home games front-loaded, it could help them gel. Or if they get to a bad start, <laughs> they're going to have a bad finish and the whole season is going to be very bad. So it, you 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 kind of have two, two directions to take. Uh, and again, you're the optimistic one in me hopefully you're seeing that yeah these guys get hang out together they're they're not traveling too much on the road and kind of losing rhythm they're kind of building confidence at home that could work out positively uh, on the other side you know you could wind up with a really bad record by the time you get to october hopefully 
you have option one and not option two. That's fair. Coming ahead for Inter-Miami, because I just can't even bear to think about Jesus, March 9th. <laughs> March 9th can't come fast enough, and yet I just need to hold it off at an arm's length for as much as possible. Well, it's going to be the clash of the Beckhams, right? It's going to be Inter-Miami CF on the road uh, heading to L.A., where Beckham changed MLS for the first time and now changed MLS again for the second time with the landing of uh, Lionel Messi. You got an 8.30 kickoff from Dignity Health Sports Park. The match takes place on the 25th, if I'm not mistaken, and, and the math is mathing correctly. That is a Sunday night game. Um, again, LA Galaxy, usually a very strong foe year in and year out. They've had some leaner years. Uh, teams have only played once back in 2021. Um, what are the thoughts here, Franco? No thoughts from Franco. Very interesting. I think we may have lost Franco. Matt, what, what do you I, think of? I when think you're he's having some match? technical issues uh, with his audio. So uh, uh, he is still with us, but I, 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 he can he can mine his answer. Um, but I, I don't know. If, uh, hopefully, we'll be able to kind of rejoin in a second. Yeah, he right here. I know he's miming that he's stuck in a box. Um, so. Um, yeah, to, to kind of answer your question, Omar, how I'm looking at it, um, you know, LA galaxy are kind of always they're They're the, the cream of the crop historically of major league soccer. And obviously they've had the challenge from the nouveau riche of uh, LAFC, but they're, they're never really too far from competitive or too far from the tops of tables and things like that. Um, I think that if you're inter Miami, you you what you have uh five days in between those six seven eight nine thirty six days between those games literally counting with my fingers I'm a, I'm a history teacher not a math teacher um so <laughs> anyway the point that I wanted to make is it's a hell of a test right off the bat right that opening match it's at home against a Real Salt Lake um that is not necessarily the 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 best all around. You're playing them at home, though, you so you have that advantage. Um, with LA Galaxy coming into this season, and you're playing them at home in California, they struggled last year, but you would expect them to to put up a fight uh, and 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 have some competitive nature to them. And they brought in a couple key players too um, that should make it a good game. Uh, I would favor Miami. I think actually, I probably favor draw. Um, you know, if I, if I got to pick one, but if, if I know one team's going to win, I'd probably favor Miami, but we will see, um, if the, those 90 minutes from Wednesday are, are, are really going to drag them down. Franco. Can someone check my research here? Didn't we go into their house and kick their ass last year? Am I making this up? Did I dream this up? They brought, uh, I forgot his, his first name, Joseph paint seller, something like that from Belgium to be their big DP signing this year. Like, Unless they've discovered something on the counterattack that I don't recall, um, like I, I, I just don't. I, I don't know. I'm not that scared of LAFC to be honest with you. the The best thing about their team is their kits. Those are nice kits. The the, the black and gold at this point. Um, but we're not I, talking about LAFC. We're no, talking not about LAFC. Galaxy. It's LA Galaxy. Sorry, the Galaxy. I'm sorry. I, I was so going to say, kid, yeah, even you're, the kits you're don't confusing. look good. Well, sorry, I'm not by the uh, being ran a good football club. I'm just saying. Pardon? <laughs> Continue with your thought, Franco. I, I, I missed it. Sorry, the technical issues have been... Train's gone. <laughs> so, but I, I will say, 
Um, part of what I'm concerned about, though, is the fact that is the time change. You know, you guys know this. Like, anytime an NFL team goes east to west, it's usually not great. And anytime a, a, a team goes west to east, it's even worse than normal. Wrong, right? wrong. Anytime a team goes west to east and has an early kickoff, it's not great. Anytime an east to west kickoff, or an east coast team goes to the west coast team, it's usually not as impactful. Look, Omar, I'm just saying half our team is in is is 75 years old. It's an 11.30 start time. It might be a little rough. Um, and the other thing is, given their schedule, like I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to them sitting some of these guys. Like, it's L.A. We know Messi's going to play. We know they're going to try to bring out these folks because it's one of the biggest media markets. Again, let's be honest about what drives some of these decisions, right? But if I'm just managing to win games and win the title, this is the sort of game where, like, hey, a draw sounds great to me. That crowd is going to be amped up. It's a it's generally a pretty good environment out there. Draw sounds pretty good to me. Home home win, road draws. But you know what? I think we're giving LA Galaxy a lot of credit because uh last year they only finished with 36 points, two more than Inter Miami. Means they did better than us. Um uh, but no, I, I understand that it's not you're not playing the LA Galaxy of a decade ago, but I think that they're due for a bit of a rebound, and also it's it's so close to the Wednesday game. It's a little bit, it's still, you know, you're going West to East, but it's still, it's, it's unusual. It's a little bit of a later kick, you know, all these things are, it's, it, it could disorient you. Um, the other thing I would say too, is as much as the, the galaxy game presents its own problem to me, the reason why I think it's, it's potentially challenging. And, and frankly, you alluded to it is you have in six days after that game, Miami, Orlando, in South Florida, enormous yep. game. Then you have five days later, the first CONCACAF champions game. Then you have three days after that on the Sunday, Miami, Montreal, Chase stadium. Then you have after that three Let days me tell you later, something. that Montreal game. If they play these guys for that Montreal game, Tata Martino can go and get pushed out of a plane. As far as I'm concerned, because like, <laughs> what we, are we you doing, we, No, no, no. We don't sit here and say that people are allowed to get pushed out of planes. Come on. I'm so sad because, like, it's the only game in the whole fixture list that has, like, a, besides the game the other night, which is weekday, it's the, the only game of the whole year that, well, besides the Orlando game, but there's a different reason for that. That's, like, a 5 o'clock kick instead of an 8 o'clock kick. And so, like, I, I'm taking my son to that game, and I'm like, oh, man. He really wants to see Leo Just Messi. Just tell your son Messi. where Messi's bodyguard is and, and tell him that's <laughs> Messi. He'll be there. The hope is that <laughs> he'll like, like go around and just like take pictures or something while the game's yeah, going on. I but, know it's but not realistically, happen. like, you know, look, the Orlando game, it's a it's a rivalry game. They tried to get under Messi's skin last year. Didn't work, right? But for for then you've got a, a CONCACAF game, which I hope our club takes really seriously. Um, I can't imagine that they won't on that front. I'd be shocked if they don't. Um, but other than that, like, I'm sorry, Montreal, like that, that is not the game. That's, this is not the game. Yeah. And you know, what's ironic, man, for Montreal's sake is that they have to start on the road, their first six matches, because again, you can't play in Montreal because it's fucking 15 degrees that, out in snowing. That's rough. That's so rough. And honestly, like we can't find Montreal, a stadium with a fucking roof. Y'all. <laughs> we can't find inner Miami for a stadium with a fucking roof, man. It's well, going to be 95 degrees with 90% chance of rain and 85% humidity all summer. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree, but Montreal has stadiums that the expo stadiums may, if it hasn't crumbled to the ground yet, you could do the game there. 
Well, I think they used to do it there and they wanted a soccer specific. It's a beautiful stadium, right? It's right next to the, um, the what, what do you call that? Olympic Stadium. Um, it's right next to it. I was going to um, call yeah. it the Expo Dome for some reason. Yeah, I was going to call it that too. Yeah. Why was well, I going to call Expo it that? Dome. You know why? Because, the Expo Dome. I'm like, because everything that the dome had like a like an affiliation to yeah. like the team playing Astrodome, in there, right? The Astro Dome, the King yeah. Dome. There was another one too. Yeah. Wasn't there a Metro Dome? Yeah, Metro, Metro Dome, Minneapolis. Yeah, yes. it's okay. It's, yeah. It is the Olympic Stadium. I've yeah. been there. I actually went into for the 2007 World Cup, Youth World Cup. Um, out there to see the United States versus Brazil, I think is what it was. You would um, featuring a very young uh, you would. Landon Donovan. You would, but all right. Well, here's what we do: Saturday, May 11 is the return leg on that one. We all can go to Montreal and speak a little French and have a French Canadian breakfast of Diet Coke and cigarettes. No, I'm down. That's, you down? That's one close. of the worst accents I've ever heard in my whole life. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was so bad. It's so I want to beat your ass with a baguette. That's how bad it was. We, we would get also bagels. Also, the poutine in Montreal, y'all. For real. We'd get bagels for breakfast and then poutine for lunch. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't yeah, do no. Tim Hortons. Overrated. Timmy's is good. Overrated. Something can be overrated and get still out. good. Get out. Get out. I, I, am, I am just... Dreading the fact that I've ever invited you on this podcast. Get the fuck out. <laughs> overrated. Get you out. Like Raising Canes. Overrated. Come oh on. Oh my God. They're going to fight. They're going to fight. All right. We need to end this, boys, because this is going to get ugly very soon. So natural point before we start to get fisticuffs. Um, any, anything else on the soccer agenda locally that we're kind of looking ahead to? Uh, Franco, you, you can say no, too, if you got nothing. I, I feel like we did a pretty good uh, No, I'll be going. There was a, an FIU like get-together that I was going to go to. Um, I think it's happening in two weeks, so that that's the other thing. But I'm I'm all into Miami because that's all I really got time for at this point, for the most part, to be honest with you all. Yeah, right. Omar, how about you? <clears throat> I don't. You know what? Normally, I always have my beat on the radar, and our guy who would have the beat on the radar is is a uh, hammered pampered. So he's not going to be on the pod with us tonight. Lee, I know he was doing some work for a university school out in Davie, uh, covering and calling uh, the girls' soccer team. I believe that they went all the way to a region final. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know the result of that matchup and how that ended. I I want to say they won. I could be mistaken. Um, I believe so. I think they knocked off Edison. Yeah, um, there we go. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. So, and again, it, it, we're just going to be probably a short time away from the kickoff of uh, men and women's college soccer for the 2024 season. I know that tends to kick off in the late summer. So again, you know, it's going to be another summer of soccer here in South Florida. You're going to have your druthers of what you're going to want to watch up and down the pyramid. We're going to be here to capture it all the best we can. We can commit to making these podcasts again. We do want to We do want to create a video element to this as we move forward um, and really enter that landscape. Because again, at the end of the day, we're st- whether or not we're here or not, we're still Miami's premier soccer coverage up and down the pyramid. Let me t- let me tell you though, no one has put in more sweat and sacrifice, not even sac- sweat, more sacrifice than my father and I yesterday because we went out into that for the coldest damn game that I can remember in Inter Miami history, <laughs> and I was frozen. You're so lucky Lee's not on the pot. He beat the shit out of you. <laughs> you know what? Lee was not sitting with that wind whipping into his face. That's all. Yeah, I but see. God knows we've covered games in the worst of venues yeah. in Miami. Sure. So I mean, I I'm definitely joking. You. I'm definitely joking. You can I, buy $120. He's done, he's done most of these 100 podcasts. Lee's definitely the, <laughs> the godfather of, of Miami <laughs> soccer podcasting. Uh, but fuck that guy. He's not here, and it was cold. <laughs> 
I will say uh, to kind of one, one thing that that jumps out to me that um, kind of in the, the local soccer scene, it might be a little bit more expansive than local is I, I had a chance to actually share the conversation on our feed um, to talk to a guy named Joe Shaw. Joe did a show 25 for 25, uh, the story of the Miami Fusion from those who lived it. And he's kind of using that uh, his feed for that and kind of his social media. He enjoyed kind of doing that project so much. Um, that he's kind of launching a new like storytelling brand involving soccer called Humans United FC. Um, and he's just kind of rebranded his Miami Fusion stuff into this kind of broader look. And the Miami Fusion show was great. It was so good. Uh, and so I'm kind of sight unseen. I've not, I don't think he's released a new episode of Humans United FC yet. Um, but I would encourage people to follow that, search for that um, on your podcast provider as well after you've made sure you've, you've subscribed to us um subscribe to that too because i'm sure there's going to be some good stuff coming with that i think i think you're gonna have to reach out and make him guess for episode 101 yeah for sure once he's got something something local to, to talk about I'm, i would love to have that because he's a really miami, good talker miami fusion alone we should get him on here pablo mastroeni was coaching real salt lake last night I mean, i know it was it was so great to see him i man. was he's... disappointed to see that he was not wearing tiny shin guards the way he did for the entirety <laughs> of his professional career I was I wonder if that was his first trip back to what was Lockhart Stadium and he walks in here and he thinks this is not where I was playing what the <laughs> is this the same place this can't be the same place yeah that was that that had to be a quite an awakening like oh they actually put a nice stadium here how what a revelation <laughs> um and I know I'm sorry for the Lockhart folks don't mean to offend the the, the old lady but it was you know, it, it needed some renovation. It needs a it needs a nice parking situation. That's what it, <laughs> that place needs. Yeah, I mean, it's a life raft. You know, like ultimately for for the big club, it's a life raft. Um, uh, but yeah, they it, you know a little bit of asphalt could go a long way. I I also just want to say, and I know I'm not the only one. It was like a two and a half hour drive for me the other day. It and always is. All I can say is to the Palm Beach listeners, the Broward listeners, um. I am so sorry that your commute is going to get worse when Inter Miami moves down south, but tough shit, tough <laughs> shit. Like they don't make the drive for the heat already, bro. I just, I don't, I'm so, I just don't want to, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear commutes. I don't want to hear travel times. I don't want to hear any of it. It is what it is. You're getting a brand new stadium in the heart of Miami. Like, deal with it, dude. And if you don't like it, take public. By the way, Omar, Omar is still very weeping silently for his golf course is what is what you're hearing, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, I, you know, what's crazy. I drove by the site the other day uh, while I was um, picking somebody up from the airport or dropping somebody off at the airport, both. both. Um, and I remember looking at it and thinking one before they started, you know, excavating what was the golf course was, wow, nature does reclaim its territory back so quickly. And then I saw it again and thought, Oh damn, the golf course is gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh damn, it's gone. So, so by nature, do you mean the Moss Brothers, Moss Tech? <laughs> like what is it? No, he was talking but about them... the period after they closed the course, but before they started digging. Like within a month, it was like I huge was joking, weeds. Guys, guys, I live three blocks away from a former golf course that is that's true. You do yeah, that is you yes, do. And that, the, and that one used to be my favorite golf course before it shut down in Miami too. I, I've come across foxes. It sounds like I live in some part of Alabama. I live in a place where there are foxes walking well, around. You better hope it stays a golf course or a preserve land, whatever it is, before Geo Holmes puts fucking 500 right. houses. Or that the they backyard. put it in the soccer stadium there. I'd be okay with that. That would shorten my view. 
Yeah, that would be great. I think we'd all yeah. sign off. On Could that. you imagine Kendall Drive with a, with a, with a soccer stadium? Kendall Drive and, uh, and Killian uh, handling soccer traffic for yeah. Leo Messi would be the most amazing thing. Uh, somebody go, somebody get Levine Kava on the phone and ask her about how we're going to make the Metro Rail go out to Kendall on 137th <laughs> Avenue. Yeah, we need we need a Metro to West Kendall stat. Um, do it. All right, so let's wrap this thing up, boys. Um, thank you very much for your time tonight, Omar. Thank you as always, pal. Magic matters. Magic matters. Franco, thank you, sir. David Rees holding holding the Lamar Hunt trophy is gonna be it's, that's what you that's what your 2024 is gonna be. Visualize it. Just start visualizing it now. Okay. Just for everyone at home. Just close your eyes, think of it. So uh, he's been Franco Kelly's and Omar Mubayed, or they have been. I've been Matthew Bunch. Until next time, uh, go Inter Miami, uh, go U.S. Open Cup, go U.S. Open Cup, go U.S. Open Cup, and go Miami soccer. God save the cup. <laughs>